Welcome to She's Running, the podcast all about women who are running for office. From school board to senate and everything in between, I'm Emily Jackson. Today's guest is Leslie Coburn, who is running for Congress in Virginia. Happy 4th of July, y'all. I know it's not everyone's holiday, but I'm going to tell you what I'll be thinking about while watching fireworks light up the sky. I'll be thinking of the people in this country who fight every day to make sure that we don't forget those who aren't afforded all of our rights. I'll be thinking of friends and neighbors who are marching in the streets in protest and remembrance and mourning and celebration. I'll be thinking about all of those who are fighting huge battles at the border and small battles at home and work to reform this country into what they know it could be. I'll be thinking about the men and women sitting around their tables discussing the could I, should I of running for office because they're so sick of what's happened to their community. I'll be thinking about all of us who are only beginning to realize things that we should have seen and known and believed very long ago. This is what I'm choosing to focus on this July 4th. You've spent a good part of your life as a journalist where you need to be apolitical. And now you're running for office, which is by definition, very political. So is there any kind of like cognitive dissonance that you had to overcome to make this move? Well, it was easier to overcome because of Donald Trump. Mm, Um, And the reason, you know, he was a big reason why I decided to do this, like many other women who are running for Congress and other uh, offices. And the thing is that um, I felt that, um, whereas before, I had never had any desire to be a politician at all. But I felt that someone was coming in and taking over who um, was pretty much bound on destroying everything that I regard as important about government and um, I made the move. You know, I jumped over the wall. It's very rare, but I'll tell you that the skills that we develop as journalists, particularly the kind of work I was doing, which was investigative journalism for 35 years, is Mm -hmm. very, very useful in this job because it enables you to to really ask questions uh, because we're trained to do that of people and find out what's actually going on in the district, in my district, the fifth district, um, and uh, and I think be just a much better politician. That's amazing. So you are a fascinating woman and a great candidate. I've got a ton of questions for you, but let's make sure that people know who you are. So who are you and for what are you running? I'm Leslie Coburn. I'm running in the fifth district of Virginia which is bigger than New Jersey, and it's got Charlottesville right in the middle of it. And it goes from Northern Virginia all the way down to the North Carolina border. So it's vast. We have 21 rural counties, and I'm running um, up against, uh, I won, uh, we had a caucus convention here, which I won in a landslide. And then we, um, I should say, we won that because we had a great field campaign. We're great believers in uh, really, grassroots operations here. But so we won that. And then our opponent, who is a a right-wing congressman, um, Tom Garrett, who's with the Freedom Caucus, bowed out of the race and is now replaced by someone who was just appointed by the Republican Party, who also would like to join the Freedom Caucus. Why you and why now? Why me is uh, something you're seeing all over the country. There are 
all these women who who had other careers completely different careers i see this with you know six women just one in virginia won their democratic nomination for congress all of these women did amazing things in the, in their past and all quite different but very very competent and they all jumped in because we all saw that this is the moment i mean you know my grandchildren are going to be saying to me what were you doing in 2018 mm -hmm. I really feel that way. I feel that um, there is a dismantling going on of our democracy. And anyone with the skills to stand up to that has to step in. Did you decide to run? Did somebody ask you to run? Like, what was the process of you going from this is awful, something needs to happen to this is going to be me? Okay, this was for me, that was. Um, my outrage at Trump, which many women feel. Um, mm -hmm. And then the Women's March was a very important day for me. Um, I've gone to many, many marches in my life, but that one, I had a lot of family with me and we uh, really felt like it was truly a moment of resistance. So that was a big deal. Then I was asked locally, I live in Rappahannock County, which is very, very rural but it's only an hour and a half down the road from Washington, D.C. So it's a very mixed population in Rappahannock. And I was asked to speak about fake news because of my background. Everyone came. It was kind of, a, it triggered a conversation in my county that lasted for weeks of people talking about Trump, talking about the whole fake news phenomenon and what we can do about it. Then two local party chairs asked me if I would consider running. So I just, I got in my car and started driving around this enormous district, talking to people to see whether it was even possible for me to run here and get something done. And I decided, yes, it was possible. So three months later declared. You said Charlottesville is part of your district and Charlottesville has almost become like a shorthand code for activism and politicized racism. Do you feel like that adds any pressure to your campaign? Well, I think that um, it's really important. What happened in Charlottesville, yes, it's, um, it's really brought out a lot of people who otherwise would not have been involved in politics. It traumatized the city. And that means that all kinds of uh, people were affected. So you have very, very strong indivisible groups, for example, who have endorsed me, but you have, you have whole communities, you have a small Jewish community in Charlottesville that was terribly traumatized by the events. You also have uh, an African-American community who see this as a kind of Trump opening a Pandora's box and bringing out stuff that, uh, you know, they're saying, what, what decade is this? Are we going backwards here? So it's really uh, riled people up. And um, I think that, you know, sleepy little Charlottesville has become uh, the, almost the front line of the Trump wars, certainly the Trump cultural wars, which is something people really did not want. But now that it's happened, I think people are very keen to figure out the positive things that can come out of this. What can we do after what happened last August 12th? And for me, things like, um, for example, uh, it's time to attack institutional racism here. So what can we do about the very, very high rates of school to prison pipeline here? What can we do about criminal justice reform. And people are very open to this now because they see that um, 
that, that, as I say, the Pandora's box is open and we have to take positive steps to, um, to use this environment for, for, for good. Um, would you mind talking about your background as a journalist? My background as a journalist was um, I had a very long career, mostly covering foreign affairs. I've uh, covered stories in over 50 countries, all related to U.S. foreign policy. And I've covered six wars, some of them multiple times. For example, I was in three different wars in Afghanistan. Um, I covered two wars in Iraq, Somalia, Cambodia, Colombia, Central America, etc. So I have a lot of experience of uh, what the U.S. has done abroad. It's important in terms of politics now because I spent every single one of those stories brought me to Capitol Hill at one time or another. So I've really had a lot of experience seeing Capitol Hill from the outside, you know, holding people's feet to the fire. And also on the positive side, if I did a story that exposed something terrible going on. I was able to generate support on the Hill for people to actually do things like, for example, getting military funding cut off in Haiti at one point because we were supporting a terrible crowd post the Tonton Macoutes, um, getting money um, dispatched immediately to children in need in Cambodia simply because of the story that we'd done. You know, that's millions of dollars doing, uh, really helping people. So um, the, the idea of moving from exposing something to actually taking action on it is very exciting for me. I mm -hmm. like that. I really, it's a next step. Do you find that when you're out in the community, knocking doors and stuff, your experience as a journalist, maybe people have heard of you. Is that helping you? Is that hurting you? Do it's people... a huge help. I'll, tell you, <laughs> okay, I'll tell, you, tell you why, because, you know, I was a producer for a long time at 60 Minutes. So many of those stories were things that people remember. You know, you don't forget those kinds of big stories that people do on that show. So for example, I exposed at one point, um, National Guardsmen were having to go on patrol outside Baghdad in Humvees with no armor on the bottom. And they called these things cardboard coffins and they were having their legs blown off. And so I worked with the guard, we exposed this. And uh, we all got in trouble for doing it at the time with the <laughs> Pentagon, but it was really important and um, Recently, I told that story in the southern part of my district and a woman jumped up and said, I'm a retired army colonel. I was in Donald Rumsfeld's office when that happened. And that was really important to, to help us make the decision to up armor those vehicles. And she then became a delegate and is working on our campaign. So wow. those, those things resonate. That literally just gave me chills. So what is the process of running been like for you so far? The process is really fascinating. I think that because being a journalist, my response, when people give me advice and say, oh, this is the way we do things. This is what you have to do. My question is always, why? Mm -hmm. And I think that's very healthy because I realized right at the beginning of this campaign that what we really needed to do, and I knew it from my own county, Rappahannock, we needed to have people on the campaign. We need to staff it with people from this place. So we have people from Fauquier County in the north all the way down to Danville in the south. So people have real roots here. 
And that makes a big difference in organizing. In organizing, uh, we've organized an army. We have nearly 1,200 volunteers now. We have fellows, we have interns, we have a massive organization on the ground. We have volunteer leadership in every county, which is an old Obama model. We followed that to the letter and it really is powerful. What kind of obstacles have you faced? Let's see. Well, I had all these rivals for the, uh, who were running against me. There were a total of, of five, uh, one very briefly, one dropped out early. So there were three serious contenders. And um, one of them very sweetly at the end, we had a caucus convention. So at the convention, he said, everyone asked, can, can Leslie beat a Southern white male? And he said, well, she just beat three of us. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, and because early on in the campaign, there was a lot of whispering, oh, I don't know if a woman can win, which we managed to turn around to our tremendous advantage. It became a rallying cry at the end. And of course, many, many women in this district um, are active in politics. 80% of the activists in the Democratic Party here are women. Mm -hmm. And we think we can win. So um, that, that's uh, just in terms of obstacles. I think the great thing about having that much competition is it really hones your skills. We had almost 40 forums, I think, where we came up against each other in different counties. And, uh, and just having the experience of beating people on the ground and really having much more support on the ground is, is, is great going into the general election. What is a caucus convention? That means you didn't have a primary, right? That's correct. It's a traditional thing here. And what it means is in the caucuses, every county has a caucus. And the caucus is where delegates, first of all, you go out and you pound the pavement and you, you beat the bushes and you find people who are willing to be delegates for you. Those delegates then have to bring their voters to the caucus. People come in droves to vote for them and they then throw their support to you. So it's, uh, uh, you gather all these delegates and then if, if you have, in our case, we had many more delegates than my rivals, even though at least one of the rivals had raised more money than we had. We had many more delegates and, um, and we swept the, the convention mm -hmm. over, over twice as much as, uh, as any, anyone behind us. Wow. Yeah. So it's really, but the good thing about it, what happens is we could have, we had raised enough money so that we could have done a primary too. That wouldn't have been a problem. But what the caucus convention forces you to do, which is really hard, is to go out into every single county and build relationships. And people talk about that, but they don't tend to do it. And doing it means that you have something very, very strong in place when you go into the general election. Yeah, that sounds much more valuable than raising money and putting ads out because these are people who are already committed to your cause. Absolutely. So when you're out there, when you're pounding the pavement, what are the issues that the people of your district are most concerned about? Well, number one by far is healthcare. And when I say healthcare, it's a lot of different aspects of it. One, our congressman, uh, who is no longer running, but he had voted to uh, basically take away health care from 23 million people. And in my district, people really need that health care. And they really felt like the bottom had dropped out from under them. So the fear of losing what they have, the fear of losing 
um, because everybody's got a pre-existing condition. Fear of losing that is very, very important. Also, as Trump has pulled out the pillars from under the whole Affordable Care Act system and no longer gives subsidies to insurance companies, we have a monopoly, for example, in Charlottesville. There's one company offering healthcare on the individual market, and that means if you have a family of four, you can pay up to $36,000 a year with a $12,000 deductible for okay healthcare. Wow. It is 23% higher than anywhere else in the United States, including the Aleutian Islands. So this is gouging. People are really suffering from this. So I'll tell you, when you talk about healthcare reform and really getting something done, you get a lot of people with you because this is, uh, people cannot afford this. It is just insanely expensive. And the other thing is that we have an opioids plague here. So the kind of healthcare we need extends to really good treatment. And there are a few good treatment places here which we need to replicate and expand. And we can put federal dollars into that. And um, other things like we really have big special needs issues in our schools, uh, special education, which of course there's um, uh, Medicaid funding there. Fortunately, Medicaid expansion has just happened here, which is a which is really amazing to not only help 400,000 extra people get health care, but it means there's been a revolution in Virginia. All those Democrats who were voted in last November here for the House of Delegates made a huge difference. And, and that's a real model for us for flipping the House of Representatives. But so, so health care is very, very big. Also, we have huge environmental issues here. We've got two frack gas pipelines threatening to come through. And that means eminent domain, it means seizing sustainable farms, interfering with a thriving rural tourist industry and threatening whole communities. That's very big. Immigration is huge here. We have, uh, it's an agricultural district. So who do you think is working in the poultry farms? Who is planting the trees here? And um, it's immigrant labor, so immigration reform has a wide, there are a wide group of people who want that to happen. It's not just the, the normal advocates you would think of, the progressive advocates in Charlottesville. It's all these different groups, including, it's another healthcare issue too, because for healthcare for elderly people here, it's all immigrants. And uh, so that's a, that's a big one. Um, the gun issue is big and, you know, as it is everywhere, because people are very worried about their kids going to school, going through, you know, these terrible drills, lockdown. Uh, it's, it's on every mother's mind. Every single candidate that I've talked to has said their constituents' number one priority, number one concern is health care. And we haven't seen that reflected in the media in months. Why do you think that's happening? I have no idea, but I can tell you, <laughs> I can tell you, you know, you, you the key thing for Democrats, certainly where I am in a district, it's that was regarded as very Republican and now is becoming lean Republican and a race to watch. Um, you really have to ask people what they really want most because you have to get people out to vote. We have a lot of Democrats who are not necessarily going to come out and vote if they don't have something that absolutely directly affects their lives. And, and healthcare is it. So how can people get involved with your campaign? 
Oh, there are all kinds of ways. Um, we're very excited about, as I say, we've, we've been endorsed by many progressive groups in our district, and there are lots. We've got resistance groups all over the place from uh, in many indivisible groups to the re-sisters, to the lefty lunch ladies, all, <laughs> all sorts, very powerful, all sorts of groups. Um, we also have groups in Northern Virginia who are offering to come and support us. And we have uh, endorsements from people like um, the League of Conservation Voters. So we've got conservation voters who are coming to support us. You uh, can get involved in this campaign many different ways. Um, I think that the, the best way is if you're a Virginian living anywhere in Virginia and you want to come to the 5th District to help us knock on doors or make those phone calls or have texting parties, you are very, very welcome. All you have to do is go to our website, which is lesliecoburnforcongress.com. You will be put in touch with all the right people in our magnificent field team to do that work. And one last question for you. What is one piece of advice that you have for a woman who might be thinking about running for office? My advice to that woman is do it. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. These groups, uh, I mean, these women who are um, all nominees now in Virginia, the six women, we came up together. We all of us went through Emerge training and we went to candidates training in Washington. I've watched these people gain huge confidence as they go along. One of them, um, uh, Vanjie Williams in, in Virginia One, I remember when we first went into Emerge together, she said, I don't have any money at all, but I'm going to win. And she, <laughs> she, she did. So I think the, the, um, it's daunting and, and it is tough going up against the Republicans. It can be nasty. However, you, you realize how much support you have and how how really people desperately need people to step forward and, and run. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me today. Okay, thank you. And that's it for today. Big thanks to Leslie Coburn for talking to me. You can find out more about her and her campaign at lesliecoburnforcongress.com, and I'll spell it for you. It is L-E-S-L-I-E-C-O-C-K-B-U-R-N-F-O-R Congress. She's also on Facebook at Leslie Coburn for Congress, and you can find her over on Twitter at at Leslie Coburn. You can find this show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at at She's Running Pod. If you like what I'm doing here, please tell a friend about the show and take a second to go rate us on Apple Podcasts. That is it for today. Thanks. I will talk to you soon.